What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movies The Whale and Megan. First, let's talk about The Whale. Here's a quick synopsis. Charlie, an ill English teacher with weight issues, attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter before the end of his life. The film stars Brendan Fraser, Hong Chow, Sadie Sink, Ty Simpkins, and Samantha Morton. Standout performances. Brendan Fraser, when I was growing up, was the ultimate family movie star with 1997's George of the Jungle, 1999's Dudley Do-Right, Bold J. War cartoons, 1999's The Mummy and its two sequels, Looney Tunes Back in Action in 2003, and Journey to the Center of the Earth in 2008. In between these mainstream movies, Fraser also did some really good dramatic work in Gods and Monsters in 1998, The Quiet American in 2002, and Crash in 2004, which won Best Picture at the Oscars. I also love him in School Ties with Matt Damon. In the Whale, Fraser is playing Charlie, who dealt with grief by eating. This is the best performance of his career in his other dramas he's usually working with other great actors who are the leads such as Ian McKellen and Michael Caine in this film he is the sole lead of the movie he's in every scene of the film before this movie I viewed him as a great movie star now I view him as a great actor and if you haven't seen him in Steven Soderbergh's No Sudden Move you should also watch that film he is having a Hollywood comeback for the ages. Fraser will next star in Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon with Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and Jesse Plemons, and Brothers with Josh Brolin and Peter Dinklage. And I would be remiss not to mention Fraser was set to play Firefly in the now-abandoned Batgirl movie, which also had Leslie Grace's Batgirl, J.K. Simmons returning as Commissioner Gordon, and Michael Keaton returning as Batman. We will probably never see the movie because it was scrapped for tax purposes by HBO Max. Another big breakout star of 2022 was Hong Chow. The actress gave two great supporting performances in The Menu and in The Whale. She plays Liz, a nurse who is Charlie's best friend. She's the comedic relief of the movie while also carrying some of the dramatic elements and I don't want to spoil the backstory between Charlie and Liz but I found it super moving and I know there's this narrative out there that she she got this nomination because of her work in The Menu, a more mainstream film. She is brilliant in The Whale. I thought she was better in The Whale than she was in The Menu. I know that most people think it's the opposite, but she is fantastic in The Whale and deserved that Academy Award nomination. Chow will next have roles in Wes Anderson's Asteroid City and Yorgos Lanthimos' And. Sadie Sink has emerged as one of the best things about the hit Netflix series Stranger Things as Max. In The Whale, she plays Ellie, Charlie's daughter, and she's great in the role. Her performance is very good. What I have some minor issues with is the character itself. She's kind of a stereotypical negative teenage character, and I understand the counterpoint being she is this way because of the backstory she's given, which is traumatic. The final scene between her and Frazier was effective and super heartbreaking. I thought it was the best moment between the two. 
The scenes where I struggled with her the most were the ones between her and Thomas, this Christian missionary played by Ty Simpkins. None of that really worked for me whatsoever. The scenes between those two were my least favorite of the movie. Director Darren Aronofsky has become a filmmaker known for rejuvenating the careers of movie stars. In 2008, The Wrestler brought back Mickey Rourke, who went on to receive his first Oscar nomination, and the same thing has happened with Frasier. In The Whale, he also, in my opinion, got the best performance out of Natalie Portman and Black Swan. I'm a big Darren Aronofsky guy. And some have said The Whale does not feel like one of his movies. I disagree. I see the connections between The Whale and his past works. One of them is the father-daughter aspect of the movie between Frasier and Sink. It's similar to the dynamic between Rourke and Evan Rachel Wood in The Wrestler. And the other connecting tissue is religion. Aronofsky has explained explored it in most of his movies, most notably Noah and Mother, and how it appears in this movie is interesting. It's not depicted in the best light. It's the most straightforward way he's ever used religion in a movie, because you watch Mother and you really don't know what you're getting out of it. Even Noah is a bit confusing. This is him just straight up telling you what religion is in this movie, at least in the context of the film itself. And I like that there are two different versions of Aronofsky as a director. There are super deep and complicated films and then he's capable of making more simple straightforward movies the wrestler is a great movie it's also maybe his most simple movie and i think the whale gets back to that yes i enjoyed the movie mother but is mother a top tier darren aronofsky movie no way the whale is a way better film let's talk about this movie's oscar chances hong chow unfortunately is not going to win best supporting actress that's either going to go to Angela Bassett or Jamie Lee Curtis at this point, although I wouldn't be shocked if Carrie Condon were the one who ended up winning. I could see a surprise happening in that category, though it's not going to be Hong Chow. As for Brendan Fraser, I do believe he is one of the three men who I think are going to win Best Supporting Actor. I think it's going to come down to Brendan Fraser, Colin Farrell, and Austin Butler, and I do believe eventually it's going to be Austin Butler. They're going to give it to him. He is the one playing a real-life person, and we all know the Academy loves to reward people who are playing real-life people. We saw with Rami Malek when he won for playing Freddie Mercury. I think history is repeating itself with Austin Butler and Elvis. What Fraser has going for him, though, is the comeback story, and I think Hollywood does love itself a comeback. Remember Matthew McConaughey? We all built up to him winning, and he eventually did end up winning Best Leading Actor for Dallas Buyers Club. I think Brendan Fraser is in that similar realm, and I do believe the Oscars might want to keep the comeback story going. It's a feel-good story. I mean, we all grew up with this guy, and we never really viewed him as a dramatic actor. I thought of him as George of the Jungle or that guy from Airheads. Nowhere in my wildest dreams did I think Brendan Fraser would ever win an Oscar, but that's what the Oscars do. They pick out somebody, and they give him the award because they love that story story of it. I think the story of Brendan Fraser might lead him to winning an Oscar. What Austin Butler has going for him is, again, he's playing a real-life person. He's playing an icon in Elvis. Everyone thought he did a brilliant job, including myself. And also, the movie is just way more mainstream than The Whale. A lot of people have seen The Whale. Double that, triple that have seen the movie Elvis and loved it. I think Elvis is the popular pick, and I think the Oscars are going to lean on 
the more popular pick because they want people to watch the Oscars. And I think giving an award to Austin Butler is more beneficial to them right now than giving an award to Brendan Fraser. Although as good as a story as that is, I think Austin Butler is going to be the one to walk away with the Best Leading Actor Oscar at the Academy Awards. Overall, I really enjoyed The Whale. Some of it felt melodramatic, but I felt empathy for the character of Charlie in his situation. It's great seeing Brendan Fraser back. He's having a moment, and there's a real chance he wins the Best Actor Oscar. And hopefully this leads to him having a great second act of his career. Maybe he can do more dramatic work. Maybe he can return to the Mummy franchise. I know he's talked about it in these interviews that he wants to do a fourth Mummy movie. I recently watched The Mummy and loved it. I think that's a really fun movie, and I think a lot of people have accurately pointed out that that kind of movie is what led to Marvel's popularity. Like, you watch a Marvel movie, and it's kind of constructed the same way a Mummy movie would have been back in the day. I personally just love to see it when actors reinvent themselves, and The Whale is Brendan Fraser reinventing himself as a more dramatic actor, and I think he does brilliant work in the movie and would not be mad to see him winning Best Actor at the Oscars. I think he's earned it. I think it's one of the best performances of 2022. I think The Whale isn't a perfect movie, but it is a really good one. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie Megan. Here's a quick synopsis. Jenna works at a toy company and develops a robot doll to be a child's best friend and uses her niece Katie as a case study. The film stars Allison Williams, Violet McGraw, Ronnie Chung, Amy Donald, and Jenna Davis. Standout performances. After seeing her play Lena Dunham's best friend in Girls, the last thing I would have expected for Allison Williams is for her to become a prominent face in horror movies. Her first one was Jordan Peele's Get Out, where she plays Rose. Daniel Kaluuya's character's girlfriend who isn't who you think she is. Then she was the lead of the Netflix movie The Perfection. In Megan, she's playing Gemma who has become the guardian to her niece after her sister and her husband suddenly pass away. This movie would fall apart if it weren't for Williams' performance. She's the anchor of the movie with an insane premise. If she plays it wrong, you don't invest in the movie. I know when you're watching it, it feels silly, but imagine if that performance performance was bad. This movie would not work. I was impressed by Allison Williams in this movie. Now, movies about a toy having a mind of its own is not a new thing. In fact, this movie reminded me of Small Soldiers, which is a bit of a more fun version of this kind of movie. That film had Tommy Lee Jones, Dennis Leary, Kirsten Dunst. I watched that movie a lot as a kid and have to admit it is a terrifying thought that your toys are going to become alive and attack you. I mean, it's the opposite of the Toy Story thing. I mean, Disney did something beautiful with Toy Story. What if your toys came alive? In the case of Megan, it's what if your toy is alive and is super overprotective over you and takes things way too far? It's the perfect premise for a horror movie, and the movie works. It's super entertaining and scary at times. However, I do believe it's a movie that has been overpraised. Megan has a Rotten Tomato score of 92%. That's way too high for a movie movie like this, and I don't understand why we're doing this with horror movies. Anyone that's average is just overpraised and turned into the next big thing. We saw the same thing with Smile. I watched that movie. I liked that movie. I didn't think it was anything special. It was just a decent horror movie. The same with Barbarian. Barbarian is an above-average horror movie, but there are people out there 
that believe Barbarian is the best horror movie in the last century. It doesn't make sense to me. Why are horror fans overpraising these films? I just don't get it. And a movie like Megan is a perfect example of something I don't get. Yes, this movie works as a movie. It's not that special, though. It's just entertaining. It's fun. I just don't see the specialness of it. And for me, it's another example about how the genre of horror has become the second most popular genre behind superhero movies because superhero movies are the same way. The movies get overpraised by fans of it and sometimes critics like an average superhero movie will be called the best superhero movie ever. Now I feel the exact same thing is happening with horror films. Megan is not a movie that should have a 92% Rotten Tomato score. If you care about that kind of thing, I would rate it like 70 to 75%. It is a really good movie, but 92%? And I felt the exact same way about Smile and Barbarian. These are good average horror movies, and in the case of Barbarian, again, it's an above average horror movie. But let's not overpraise these films. Megan is not the kind of movie I want to watch over and over again, like other great horror films. It's not Get Out. It's not Nope. It's not those all-time great horrors. It's not Hereditary. It's not up there with those other kind of films. It does exactly what the movie is attempting to do, but nothing more and nothing less. I just don't understand the overpraising of horror recently. And Megan was also a box office smash, making $94 million domestically, the third highest of the year behind only Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in Creed 3, two already established franchises and made $172 million overall. And one of the reasons the movie has been successful is because of who produced it. Jason Blum and James Wan, two of the most powerful men working within the horror genre. And there have been a lot of talks recently that their two production companies, Blumhouse and Atomic Monster Productions, are merging. These two specialize in making low-budget horror films and turning them into hits. Usually their films star about one movie star, they usually pick a decent enough director, and the movie becomes an average horror movie that overall does extraordinary box office numbers recently. And that gets me back to why these movies like this and Smile are getting overpraised, because they're becoming hits. These are the movies that people are seeing, and these other movies that we probably all think are better are not being seen by enough people. People aren't talking about woman talking, for example, the same way they were talking about Megan because Megan became a mainstream movie. In my opinion, the movies that get overpraised are the movies that are seen by everyone. Some of the really great movies being made nowadays are not being seen by enough people to get overpraised or even praised at all. The amount of people that saw Megan far outweigh the amount of people that saw a movie like Woman Talking, even though Woman Talking is getting all the awards and people are talking about it, but really it's a critical hit. Megan is a box office hit. That's where the disconnect is. I believe horror is benefiting from the fact that way more people are seeing horror films than critically acclaimed dramas nowadays. I mean, Scream 6 is on the way. Scream 6 is going to be a box office hit. It's probably going to get good reviews. Is it better than a lot of dramas out there nowadays? Probably not, but it's going to get overpraised because everyone is going to see it, and that's where we are as a society. The movies getting the best reviews are the movies that are being seen by everyone. 
everyone. Even Top Gun Maverick is an example of that. It feels good to say a movie that everyone saw is perfect. Are we probably overrating Top Gun Maverick because everyone saw it? Absolutely. I also think Megan is an example of how things are different. There used to be so many movies to see each week that in 2005, a movie like Megan would have come out and been ignored by almost everyone, but now the options are so little each week that this movie has its week to be number one. I really do believe that if this movie came out between 2005 and 2010, not a lot of people would have A, watched it, or B, talked about it afterwards. But because there's so little box office hits nowadays, a movie like Megan is allowed to dominate during its one weekend, and that's enough to get it overpraised like it's been. Megan in 2005 would never have been given a moment like it's been given in 2023. I think a movie like Megan is an example of how times are different at the movie theaters, that the movie like this could be a number one at the box office, when in 2005 I could see Megan being the number five movie at the box office because all of these dramas that used to dominate at the box office are no longer dominating. They're now the movies that not enough people are seeing. Mainstream movies are the ones that are dominating and right now Oscar movies are not mainstream movies and horror movies like Megan have become mainstream movies. Overall, I liked Megan for what it is, a fun horror movie, but I am weary of a sequel because I don't see where you go from here. I don't think the premise is good enough to build off of it for Megan to become a franchise. I'm probably going to be proven wrong. Megan 2 is going to come out and be a huge hit, but critically, I could see this movie really falling apart in the sequel because I don't think there's enough there. Allison Williams is coming back. What, is her character going to develop another toy? I know Megan is still out there in some form. I get it. I really like the ending of this movie. I'm not going to spoil it, but I thought it was the perfect, like, why can't Megan be a one-off? This movie has a good premise. It built to something. It had a really fun, entertaining ending. Why does everything need to have a sequel? And why does the sequel have to be announced immediately? This is something that's happening with horror. Smile is getting a sequel. Everything that is a hit movie is getting a sequel because the studios need a guaranteed hit because there's not enough of those out there anymore and that's why you're going to see Megan 2. If you look back at the history of horror movies, I don't think franchises are the way to go. There's very few successful franchises and even the ones that are really good franchises, they've had down moments. Look at the Halloween movies. They've had some really rough times. I've no, And they've ended one in a really rough one. The last one didn't work. I don't think sequels work well in horror movies. I know the Scream franchise is the exception, but that's more of a slasher movie. I think the Scream movies, they're going to continue to make those till the end of time. I don't need another movie about Megan. I thought it was an interesting premise. I liked the movie. I thought the talking doll was really scary. I thought it was a rare horror movie that I was actually afraid of. Like, if I were a kid and I saw Megan, I would definitely be terrified. I just think when it comes to sequels, at some point, the scary toy who thinks on its own is going to grow tiresome. For me personally, Megan should be a one-off movie. And I know a lot of people have compared Megan to Child's Play. I mean, how many of those movies have really worked? I mean, probably only about one or two of them. We all know that the Chucky is a scary thing, but at some point, you kind of just get over it, and eventually, that's what's going to happen to Megan. Thanks for listening to this edition 
edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney, and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I highly recommend you check out The Whale and Megan. Next week on the podcast, I'm talking about Ruben Oselin's Triangle of Sadness, so tune into that, and please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe.